Welcome to Direct-to-Video, a podcast where we review poor sequels to great movies. I'm so mad about this movie, oh my god. Okay, Andy, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. Okay, first we should introduce ourselves again. Welcome! This is Direct-to-Video, I am your co-host, Tony Robusto. Do you like that? Do you like that big host voice I put on for a second? It's so exciting. Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so pumped. I'm so mad right now. I'm Andy. Um, Andy Reyes. I am your other host, local Disney apologist, and I'm not apologizing for this film. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the bomb I need to drop on you, Andy. Tony, if the words out of your mouth are, I kind of liked it, I'm going to walk out of the room and grab another juice. Well, I won't say I, I didn't hate it. Let me tell you why I didn't hate it. The first movie is a good movie that is so problematic that I can't watch it without cringing. I kind of want to talk about that. Like, the message in the movie is to, like, not judge people based on stuff that you don't actually know about them. You know, just stereotypes and stuff. Actually, no, that's basically it. It's all about stereotypes. And po- But Pocahontas is a strong character, like a really good character in that movie. Yes. Yes, she is. Very strong. And I actually really liked how they went ahead and they portrayed a man killing someone for the first time and realizing he wasn't going to be able to do it again. Like, that is that is heavy for a Disney movie. But the thing is... These are all based off of real people, which means all this stuff that definitely did not happen, the fact that they put real names into it, makes it skeevy as hell. And also, you know that? I think it was in The Color of the Wind. I actually wrote it down. Yeah, The Colors of the Wind song, it's got beautiful scenery, but and it has the positive message that you need to care for the earth and understand others. With the negative message that if you do that, hawks will obey you. I mean, they might. We don't know. Okay, yeah, that's true. I'm not. Maybe I haven't cared for the earth, earth enough. Except Earth, like I'm uh, Will Smith. So the thing is, the first movie is so problematic. Even with their choice of villain, I thought that was kind of interesting because I looked up Ratcliffe. Yeah, historically, Ratcliffe wasn't that bad of a guy. He seemed like kind of a better guy than John Smith, even. And the Ratcliffe they put in this movie seemed to be more closely related to Columbus. You know, because he was all about gold and his downfall was at the hands of his own people instead of the people he oppressed. And with Ratcliffe, he died in the most horrific way possible at the hands of a bunch of Indians. Native Americans. See, I wasn't sure what I was going to call them in this podcast because I was calling them Native Americans as I was making all my notes. But in all the movies, they still call them Indians. I mean, the movie came out in 1995. I would definitely go with Native, Native Americans. Just because Indians, it's it's such a, like, holdover from the whole, we thought we were in India. And the fact that it persists even now kind of is very weird. It's very weird. I can get behind that. But that's, but that's the thing. It's just, in the first movie, there's all this weird hanging with bears and a magical tree. And all the really beautiful stuff is also really, really weird because it seems to say stuff about Native American culture. You know, it's just patently untrue. And in, the, and in the second movie, they threw all of that out, and it was just stupid. And I had a lot of fun watching this stupid movie. 
I was I was so mad the whole time I was watching it. And then and then they would have like throwaway jokes that would make me smile and then I'd double down on how mad I was immediately afterwards. Did you notice that every one of John Smith's lines is a throwaway joke? Yes. Every line he has. It's amazing. Real quick, uh-huh. I find it really, really cool that for the second Pocahontas movie, they couldn't get Mel Gibson back to be John Smith, so they got his younger brother, whose name I think is Donald Smith. Well, no. Sorry, Donald Gibson. Donald Gibson. And, oh man, like, they sound identical in recording yeah i was gonna say i did not realize that they hadn't gotten mel gibson back kudos to them for casting decision of the year because they sound like mirror to mirror identical and i knew that mel gibson wasn't in the second one mel gibson was one of those actors i really looked up to when i was a kid before we found out he was crazy god okay oh my god i don't even know where to start here's the thing i took meticulous notes I thought it was interesting. First thing, and this is a positive thing about the movie, unless you're going to disagree with me on here, but the very first scene has a lot of candlelight and water, which we were talking about a lot last time, and I think it did it pretty well. Maybe candlelight's easier than just fire. Are you talking about Pocahontas 2? Yes. You know, the first scene, the ridiculous scene where like, the guards climb in through the window. Yeah, and then John Smith's like in the roof and he jumps down and he's like, mind if I drop in? And then like they fight on the roofs. It's thanks for dropping in. I wrote it down. I'm sorry that I, I got John Smith's terrible, terrible throwaway joke awful wrong. It was amazing. It's weird that the only character in this movie that I genuinely liked was... Oh god, I don't even remember his name. There are only a few. Is it John Rolfe? Yes. Do you know what I liked about him that I thought was interesting? They decided to turn him into Mr. Darcy. Yeah. Man, if Disney made... Like, this is a completely off topic, but if Disney made, like, a Mr. Darcy movie... like You mean Pride and Prejudice? literally any one of those novels that she wrote into a disney film i would love it so much i think they could probably do it pretty well i bet i bet it's a scrapped idea i bet at some point somebody had the idea and now it's gone it's in some bookshelf in disney's secret vault I'm going to go back and I'm going to go back to Pocahontas 1. So just for recap, the plot of Pocahontas 1 is these Europeans decide to come over to the New World to settle in Jamestown in search for gold at the behest of Governor Ratcliffe, who got permission from King James. At the same time, a young Native American woman, Pocahontas, has been betrothed to marry another Native American in her tribe by her father, and she's kind of feeling doubts about her position in life and... She meets an explorer named John Smith, who is with the Jamestown crew, and they really quickly fall in love, despite the growing racial tensions. Yeah, and actually, I hate to I hate to interrupt, but I'm going to, because there are two problems with that scene I just despised. And one was that he was about to kill her, then he realized she was hot. That's one. Two, the part where she can understand him because a magical tree told her she could. Like, do you remember that part? That was so weird. Well, here's the thing, is that not only does she understand him, but literally all everyone. Which, I understand why they didn't do this, but I think it would have been such an interesting film if every time she was on screen with John Smith, she would be speaking in her native tongue. There are scenes where she is speaking speaking in her native language, which I don't remember what language they... Algonquin. 
it was always so interesting to me to like hear those lines acted out in Algonquin and I would have really liked it if it was like a movie that was kind of half Algonquin whenever she was with John Smith and she was kind of struggling to understand each other and then just speaking normal English whenever it's kind of just the Native Americans for the rest of the film. Yeah, but the thing is, I mean, a lot of kids aren't going to like follow around subtitles. You know, you don't need subtitles. Half of the Little Mermaid, the Little Mermaid doesn't even speak. I'm positive that they could do this. That would be a little bit ambitious. I mean, yeah, this whole movie is ambitious. Like just the whole racial tensions in the film. It's very off-putting as an adult. Like the entire musical sequence that is Savages is really hard to watch and to listen to. That's actually one of my favorite songs because it's one that doesn't have a lot that I think is inherently off about it. It's like more real. It's two peoples yelling that the other peoples are monsters. Yeah, aren't real people. I find it hard to watch because it's such a like it is such a blatant portrayal of racism, mostly on one side, because the Native Americans reasons for hating the settlers are very, from what I could tell, very reasonable reasons to hate anyone. You know, they're violent. They're destroying the forests around them. They don't like care for the Native Americans culture. They don't care to like establish any form of communications or trade. Like, they just immediately started shooting the moment one of them saw Native American, which would be pretty off-putting, along with all of the other stuff that they're doing. But when you go to the settler side of the song, all they're singing about is, like, these guys have a different skin color, so obviously they're subhuman. I think that's why they have to have Ratcliffe leading the song, because he's like, this is why they're bad, and everybody else is like, yeah, it is why they're bad. But that's the thing, is it's still really off-putting, and the part about it that bothers you the most, because it is a good song, and the whole musical number is actually like really well done with like the drums of war in the background and like the smoke from both camps kind of meeting in the center i thought that was really cool right and i even thought the drums of war was almost like a dichotomy like showing how they were like each other as they were yelling how they weren't like each other very much so but but the the biggest issue is that no one is punished and no one kind of comes to terms with the fact that racism was bad at the end of the movie everyone realizes that ratcliffe is bad because he shot john smith and he's like immediately off and everyone just immediately gets along but at no point does anybody go man it really sucks that we kind of uh judge these guys based on their skin color we probably should never do that again it's it's not brought up as far as the second movie's concerned those racial tensions are still there well i guess they are still there you know because they re- they really would have been yeah historically they were but it, for what is supposed to be a kid's movie like it tackles such adult themes i personally wouldn't take my kid to watch this movie it's so much you have like an on-screen death that's very theatrical the way it's shot and the way it's portrayed in the film like there's no blood and there was no bullet hole which i also thought was weird it it felt very much like the whole movie was like a giant play which was kind of cool it really bothers me that they took the time to have a raw portrayal of racism and at no point do they actually take a step back and go by the way racism is bad don't do it. Well, maybe it's better to look at a little bit more historically because it would have been a more raw portrayal of racism than we're used to. I would be okay with it being like, oh, we're doing it because it's more historically accurate, except for the fact that nothing else was historically accurate. Yeah. No history is followed for the rest of the film. Like one of the biggest things that bothered me in Pocahontas, and this is kind of more of a nitpick, is the fact that Britain didn't exist. Sorry, the United Kingdom didn't exist. You still had England and Wales and Scotland and 
Ireland were all separate entities. Well, but were they? Because weren't they, they weren't all owned by England? No. Oh, wow. They were separate nations at the time. And when England started settling and colonizing, they hadn't united yet. So they should have been all Englishmen. You have them flying the British flag. Which they hadn't adopted yet. There's a dude in the crew who's Scottish. There's like, yeah, there's a very Scottish guy. And then also a slightly Irish guy on the crew. And I don't know why it bothered me so much, but it was like all of the other historical inaccuracies, I was like, I can take those. Really? Actually, here's the thing that I hated about this movie. If they had done it with a fictional character, or definitely like a fictional race of people, it would have been fine. But the fact that they did it with Pocahontas, and then they gave her like a squirrel and a hummingbird and a tree to talk to... That was my biggest thing. I was like, they're not sending her up so much as, like, making fun of her. As a quick kind of background into those characters, in the film, Miko was originally supposed to have spoken lines because I believe in Native American culture, Miko is an actual kind of Native American animal spirit. Oh, okay. And they decided to cut it out because they didn't want the film to come off as being overly comical. Pocahontas is one of those movies where you have this team of of amazingly talented people wanting to tell like a really complex story in a setting that they're not quite comfortable with. And they took a lot of steps to kind of be as respectful as possible. They got a lot of Native American actors, although they didn't allow any of them to sing. They got a lot of Native American consultants and they spoke to them and they tried really hard to understand their culture. But at the end of the day, it's like the movie still kind of comes off as very disingenuous. Yeah, almost condescending, I feel like. I don't think it's their fault. I bet that like back in the 90s when this movie came out, the people who watched it were like, oh my god, like this is so interesting. I know so much about Native American culture now. And then like you have Native Americans coming out being like, well, it, it, wait, let's calm down a bit. That's not all of Native American culture. That is solely that one tribe. It doesn't date well. Yeah, it, it really hasn't. And they must have still been proud of it years later because they wouldn't have made a second one. It is a beautifully animated film. It absolutely is. The entire time I was watching it, I was just in awe of how pretty it was. And I found out reading through some of like the behind the scenes stuff that Pocahontas and The Lion King were both kind of in production at the same time. And a lot of the older kind of more experienced animation staff elected to work on Pocahontas because they felt it would be the more mature of the films and that they would be able to express themselves artistically through it better that's what everybody on lion king said too because they're like oh this is just a goofy ass film we're making bambi but it's hamlet i definitely think that's the one that aged better oh yeah shakespeare you know has a timeless quality to his stories that more qualified people can talk about Right, I can just talk about how much I actually disliked Romeo and Juliet, but let's not. (laughs) We kind of went through a lot of Pocahontas plot in that talk, so I guess I'm just going to kind of skip to the end. We didn't get to the part where John Smith is going to be put to death because he is thought to have killed Pocahontas' betrothed. Cocoam. That was actually young Thomas. Right, and once again, I thought his arc was fantastic. I really liked young Thomas. I recognized his voice when I heard him speak, and I was like, ooh, who is this if I recognize the voice? It's actually Christian Bale. Whoa, really? Yeah, that's very interesting. So, Kokowum, who fights John Smith because he sees that Pocahontas has fallen in love with him, and he kind of goes into a fit of rage. Well, he's a warrior, that's his thing. Young Thomas shoots Kokowum, and John Smith tells him to run away. He takes the fall for it, which, good on you, John Smith. Good guy, John Smith. Yeah, it's the one good thing he does in the movie, really. There is a scene earlier in the film that I love so much, and I noted it down as 
Pocahontas does not want to deal with John Smith's mansplaining bullshit. What scene is this? It's the one where he's talking about how, like, we can teach you how to build homes, how to make use of the land in a way that's better, and she's just sitting there like, are you done? Your face was prettier when you weren't talking. Yeah, she was pretty cool in that scene where she's just like, fuck you, and walks away. She, throughout the film, is very adamantly just pro-understanding and does not give John Smith even an ounce of credence when it comes to his stupid beliefs and i really loved that about this movie i just i hate pocahontas 2 so much oh my gonna, god get to that. i love it it's so hilarious oh it's <laughs> such a bad movie and i love it all right we'll get there we'll get there <laughs> so the native americans and the europeans decide to go to war in a beautifully animated musical sequence that song got a lot of flack when the movie came out really that one Yes, that song was criticized for its portrayal of racism. A lot of people criticized it for being racist, but I think a lot of it is just kind of the discomfort at how blatant the portrayal of racism is. And I think that's kind of what the movie was leading up to. I think almost every other song was more problematic in that it was trying to be positive about people and about races and stuff, but the the animation that went along with it was like a little bit like a little bit racist. It really like it got under my skin. The overt stuff did not bother me cuz like that's what they were trying to do. That's what they were going for. You know, one of my biggest issues is is something that I kind of said earlier, which is they they hired all of these Native American actors which good on them, but they didn't hire any Native American singers. So when Pohuatan starts singing, it's so very obviously Tigger's voice. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here like, you got Tigger to come in and fucking like put on his most Tigger voice and sing about how much he loves his daughter. Why couldn't you just get Native American singers? It really bothered me that they took the step of getting Native American actors, but they didn't take that extra step of having their songs about Native American culture sung by Native Americans. Yeah, so it's even the step in real life where they were like, we're making this movie about not being racist. And they were just like, a little bit racist about it. In the making of the film. In the making of the film. And like, it's not their fault. Except it's super their fault. That's the thing. I'm trying to give these people credit because what they did is they made a really good movie that irks the fuck out of me. All of the flaws in Pocahontas come from like a good place. There are mistakes that were made because Disney wanted to make this film about Native American culture. And that's very admirable. But man, you guys stumbled your way through the movie in a lot of places. At the end of the film, the Native American tribes meet up with the settlers. And right before they go to war, Pocahontas runs up and throws her body over John Smith and says, don't kill him kill kill me if you're going to kill him because i would rather die than see all-out war between two peoples and her dad's like you are really wise and i'm really happy that you were able to stand up for something you believed in and i'm going to follow you and everyone's like pretty on board with it also again the europeans totally able to understand the conversation that pocahontas and powatan had this entire time and they were like she has a good point maybe we shouldn't fight and then ratcliffe is like what no we should definitely fight and then he grabs hey time out yes that was a really good Ratcliffe. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, go on. And he grabs Thomas's gun. Thomas, one of the most useless characters in this film. Oh, poor Thomas. I know, it's not his fault. And he aims and shoots at Pahuatan. John Smith throws himself in the way, gets shot, and immediately starts dying. He looks at Pocahontas and he's like, wasn't that the sickest double backflip kickflip you ever saw? <laughs> he would have said that in the second movie. <laughs> he would have been like, I gave it my best shot. shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh man and then <laughs> that stupid movie. 
Oh my god. So it then kind of fade cuts to some of the Europeans are leaving on the ship and they're taking Ratcliffe with them back to England to have him, I don't know, tried for something, I guess, for the shooting of John Smith. And John Smith is like, I don't want to go. I want to stay here with Pocahontas. And Pocahontas is like, you're going to fucking die. So you should probably go back. Okay, so a ship journey is three months He's either going to be better or dead by then. I think the big issue is, yo, we need to get the lead out of him. Because you won't die of lead poisoning in three months, but you're sure as hell going to die of lead poisoning a lot faster if you leave the bullet in there. I guess, maybe. That was a really weird scene to me because... Do you ever listen to Sawbones? I've been meaning to. It's on my backlog of podcasts to start listening to. This was in a time period where they didn't know what the hell they were doing with medicine. So there's a good chance he's going to die if he got medical attention. Yeah, but it's a Disney movie. Also, what was with his shirt that was sometimes armor and sometimes wasn't? Did you notice that? Yeah. He wore like a breastplate that sometimes had like a collar and sometimes moved like it was cloth. It was weird. He had a conquistador style breastplate and the shirt underneath was the same color but of a lighter tone i could have sworn i saw the breastplate like shift but it would be weird if they were bad because everything else in the movie was like really well animated i feel like it must have been me i didn't really notice any issues with it i don't think he wears it when he goes to meet pocahontas that time he gets captured because he's not wearing it when they drag him away they might have stripped it off him when they captured him oh but what was weird about that final scene is the chief presented him with his like robe that he'd been wearing the whole time and the robe has like a lot of raccoon tails on it and that was the weirdest thing to me that'd be like if you and i wore dog tails because his daughter just has a raccoon pet what he was wearing is probably one of the more historically accurate things in the movie it's just the, the, the scene they had set up around it made it feel weird to me it would have felt less weird if they kept miko as being sort of like a trickster spirit because then in your brain he's not actually a raccoon yeah then he's not an animal who's just because the only thing he really does like trickstery is the weird tom and jerry stuff he does with percy that i could have done less with yeah that's why i didn't like him i thought he brought down the tone of the movie too much i think they were in a tough place with miko where they had him written to be in the film and then by the time they realized oh he's a little too comedic the only thing they could do was just go well we'll just have him not talk then so john smith sails away and pocahontas sees him sail off and she's really sad and the movie ends I have a really weird history with Pocahontas because I watched Pocahontas as a really, really little kid. And at the time, it was super exciting because it was like, oh my god, it's a Disney princess who's not white. That's really awesome. And as a middle schooler, when I watched it again with my little cousin, I really didn't like it. I thought it was boring. I thought not much happened in it. I really hated John Smith as a character. He's he's an asshole. Yeah, he really is. And now watching it again as adult, like, I still think it's kind of a boring movie and I still don't like John Smith myth as a character but this movie's so pretty it's so pretty but every really pretty scene just makes me once again just makes me cringe because it's like this is definitely not how the people they're portraying would have liked to see it portrayed maybe that was me maybe that was me projecting a little because i'm a white guy what the fuck do i know yeah and like even me like i'm i'm hispanic i'm not native american so i kind of wish that i knew somebody who was so i could talk to them about it what's your jive like emotionally i I know some people in arizona maybe i'll go back out to arizona find them say hey guys pocahontas yay or nay but then again there there's no guarantee that they're going to be of algonquin descent i know a lot of kind of early european forays into discovering the americas one of the things that bother me about this film is that native americans according to the europeans were 
like really really big they were really tall they were very muscular um at one point one of them was described as being the greek ideal with skin as if polished bronze like there are so many letters written by early european explorers about how beautiful and how big and massive the native americans were really yeah i think this movie would have been really cool if like when pocahontas met john smith she was like a head taller than him pocahontas is a the way they had her she was pretty big though she is still very tall and very muscular for a disney princess she's got like an imposing figure like she kind of reminds me of my oldest sister but my oldest sister as i saw her when i was little you know like get in line or i'll kick your ass same actually my sister was the same way and my sister played softball so she could punch and yeah like pocahontas as she is in this film does cut a very imposing figure but if she was like a head taller than john smith their interactions would have been so much nicer just kind of him being like i don't know how i feel about this but i'm 100 percent on board and not only that but like it would be nice to have a relationship between two disney characters where the woman is physically taller than the man because you don't see that often in film see here's the thing the whole time i was watching it i kind of wanted it to be in the other direction because the real pocahontas when she met john smith was a kid and i would have liked it if she was a kid and they sort of cut out the romance i mean a lot of scenes would have had to be rewritten but just that one scene where he doesn't shoot her i would have liked a lot better if it was because she was a kid and not because she's hot yeah i could see both sides being better movies well i have a lot of problems with this movie but at the core it's a good movie right isn't that infuriating i don't have much to complain about that's the worst bit and andy that is why i love the second movie because i feel like there's a lot fewer like overtly racist stuff and then at the core it's just like a bad movie and it's like, you can just sit back and relax. You, you, you can enjoy it because you, you're like, I don't have to look for what's bad about this movie. It's all right there in front of me. Just shove it into my face. It's beautiful. It's this beautiful landscape of, of shit. I guess this is a good place to kind of move on to Pocahontas 2. Journey to a New World. I really hate that these direct-to-video sequels have these subtitles so much. They should have either called it Pocahontas, Journey to a New World, or just pocahontas too here's the thing i actually feel like the subtitle kind of adds a little bit this time the thing is pocahontas 2 doesn't actually have a lot to do with pocahontas 1 the whole setting's different there are new characters and it is literally a journey to a new world so rooftop battles oh my god the moment that john smith started fencing on rooftops i was like i'm not going to enjoy this movie and i kind of leaned back that's when i decided i was going to thoroughly enjoy this movie oh man here's the first issue i had with it so ratcliffe is just hanging out on random rooftops now that's apparently what royal favors give you in the Disney universe. In the first movie, Ratcliffe is just kind of just a terrible person. But in this film, he is like a cackling megalomaniac. I wrote some doubt. He's he's much more of a cutthroat villain. In the last movie, he was driven by greed and desperation. And now he has a certain amount of influence and power. He's just cruel. His whole purpose in this film is, I want to start a race war. Hey, King, let me go over there and just start my own race war. It's all i've ever wanted king james <laughs> why can't you just give me what i want yeah because the funny thing is he's using the idea of gold to start a war but now he knows there's no gold he doesn't even want the gold anymore he just wants to kill all those people he gave john smith the old long live the king threw him right off that rooftop into the water and then ratcliffe assumes he's dead and i as a engaged audience member i'm like he's definitely not dead though but then the movie proceeds to go on like pretending that he's dead oh and when he comes back 
back in a hood, and I guess we're not supposed to know who it is. Like, are you shitting me? He's wearing the same clothes. <laughs> it's just a, it's just like an Aragorn cloak thrown on top of his character design. Okay, but let's... <laughs> so I have these notes here that I really want to go over. So we see King James for the first time. No, we saw him briefly in the first movie. Well, we saw like a stylized version of him in Ratcliffe's song, right? In one of the portraits. It's the exact same character design, though. Is it? I don't remember seeing him, but the thing is... He looks terrible. Here's the thing. Ratcliffe looks like he came out of the Great Mouse Detective. I'm not sure where King James looks like he came out of. I can tell you right now. He looks exactly like King John in Robin Hood, but a human. I disliked how cartoonish they made him. And I also dislike him as a character, the way he only believes the last thing that was told to him. He's very wishy-washy. But the thing is, I looked him up, and he kind of seemed to be that person. He's not generally considered to be one of the great kings. He's kind of a footnote. The thing I really didn't like is that his wife, whose name I wrote down but they never said, Anne of Denmark, is kind of like a Queen Elizabeth figure when she was also kind of frivolous and kind of a footnote. I don't like people shoving Queen Elizabeth into a bunch of shit. She's got all of her own stuff surrounding her and people love to put her into movies like any historical movie let's put queen elizabeth in here she looks like kind of a slightly touched up maleficent in this film <laughs> yeah that's a good way to look at it and it really bothered me every time i saw them in scenes together if you like bifurcated the movie it's they're two different films although once again i feel like pocahontas always had that problem because ratcliffe does look like he came out of the great mouse detective he really does actually his his name is ratcliffe which <laughs> like he could have just been put in there and he'd fit exactly this unfortunately because that was his real name it would take me such a long time to actually trust a person called ratcliffe to their misfortune because like really are you sure that's your name he sounds like an evil advisor to a king which he is in this movie he, yes which he is he happens to be speaking of voices i'm actually going to look up to see if the voice of tigger did do the singing for pahuatan in the first movie because i just realized that i never actually checked i just assumed because it sounded so much like him oh he totally fucking is god damn it jim cummings by the way <laughs> oh shit i can't believe it well he's a good voice actor he, Jim Cummings is a great voice actor. I really wish Disney would stop shoving Jim Cummings into their movies whenever they need singing. Jim Cummings is the voice of the king in this movie. Probably has a role in almost every Disney movie ever. I met him once, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. He he did like a little... Did you ask him why he sang in Pocahontas? No, I, I was kind of... I kind of spent the whole time meeting him kind of overwhelmed by his presence because he's, he's the voice of Tigger mm -hmm. and Winnie the Pooh. How can I not? That's like a good third of my childhood solely contained in the voice of this one man. Yeah, voice actors, they get around. Okay, so... I'm going to set up a quick system here because I actually... um. In the process of moving back into my house, I'd left my notebook somewhere in a box. So I don't have notes other than what I can remember. So I think the way that we're going to do this is you can bring up a note and then I can complain about the movie based off of that. Oh, all right. I can do that. So my next note is very simple. I just, there was this one bit of the movie I didn't like. Pocahontas's friend, whose name I can't remember. Uh, give me a sec. Yeah, I said that with such a leading, like, tell me her name. <laughs> I had it up too. I wanted to talk about her in a bit. What the heck? She's like not here. She has kind of a bit role in both movies. Like, I think they just didn't want to make Pocahontas a complete loner, so they gave her somebody who she could consider a friend, but she never, like, confides in her. Nakoma. She says that much time has passed since the news of John Smith's death. This is impossible, because in the last scene, the king said he was going to wait for John Rolfe to come back, which means John Rolfe had a 
Gray left, and he had just arrived in the Americas, there is no possible way news of John Smith's death could have arrived. It's a pretty big plot hole, actually. It is a plot hole. It is a plot hole, <laughs> which is very important to me. This entire movie feels like a bunch of ideas for a Pocahontas sequel that the staff had and then just kind of decided to do all of them without really thinking about what one scene would imply in the other. And I feel like it wouldn't have been hard to have John Rolfe be the one to tell her that John Smith was dead. Also, it would have given her like a more legitimate reason to dislike him because she just dislikes him offhand which is fine there are people like that to be fair so did i oh are you serious i was just looking at my mom like this guy's mr darcy she doesn't like him but he likes her no dude <laughs> the moment he stepped off of that boat with his horse i was like look at this guy look at this guy with his frilly frills and his puffy shirts <laughs> oh my god that horse so <laughs> when Pocahontas leaves she looks back and her dad is like waving at her from the horse and i saw that and i was like he just sent her off so he could take that horse he just wanted that horse this guy knows what's up there's a really hard line at the beginning of this movie that the movie does not address at all for how how much of a punch in the gut that line is and it's when um this random no name native american dude in pocahontas's tribe is like you talk like a white man you should go live with them if you like them so much and i was like don't just throw that out there and then not talk about it again well but then she kind of does though she does get live with them that's that's the big thing though is that like it is immediately dismissed by her father and by her like they both just kind of meh this is just some guy but like fuck off charlie his name's not charlie that could have been like the driving conflict in pocahontas this whole movie it isn't there's no conflict in this movie actually really well there's quite a bit of conflict in this movie it's just contrived as hell and amazing i do like that that one scene and this this reminds me maybe there was an earlier draft where that was more important because there's that one scene where she she had that white powder on her face while she was in prison by the way like in a in the tower like somewhere where you don't get you don't stay dolled up but there was a scene where she was looking at a reflection and she went like half of it away so she was like half white and half brown and that was a good scene we have talked a lot in this uh, two-episode podcast about good reflection scenes. I'm starting to think that it might be a Disney staple, like just characters looking into their reflection in some way. It's a good symbol. Yeah, it is. I really like it when movies use mirrors in such an interesting way. I just... You have, a, you have another point? I have many other points, but what I wanted to ask before I got to my other points is something I was never quite sure of. You know the huge quiet guy? Uh, yes. Give me a sec. I love his name. Okay, because I can't remember it, and if I tried to pronounce it, I feel like I would offend so many people. Yo, I just realized this guy's name isn't on the cast list because he doesn't have a, a speaking line in this goddamn movie. I was gonna say, <laughs> he just glowers a lot. Which is something that I want to complain about later, um, once we get to, when we get to it. Okay, I, I had some, I think he's a very interesting character, actually. The whole scene where he's, it's the coming to England song, and it's so stupid. Because <laughs> it's like, like, London was definitely not that good looking. And she sings at the Thames, which would have been a horrible river. It would have been filled with shit. Yeah, just the worst river. But where he's, like, cutting notches into his stick and he gets down to, like, a splinter and just throws it out. I thought that was pretty important, actually. But my issue with him is I was never quite sure if he was a racist stereotype or just, like, a character type. Like, because I'm used to the huge, quiet character. 
in a lot of kind of shitty comedic movies, you'll have the giant strong guy who doesn't really talk much. I actually prefer seeing the inverse of that stereotype a lot more. Just because giant quiet guy who glowers a lot is so common in like fiction, especially in fantasy. I just got so tired of it and they tend to be my least favorite characters. That being said, and I'm desperately trying to find his name. Here we go. Utamata Makin. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I uh... <laughs> I would definitely offend someone by trying to pronounce that. By trying to pronounce Udamadomakin? Udamadomakin? Yeah, boom, it's that easy. Okay, there's a lot of T's in it. Udamadomakin. It's spelled longer than it sounds. I like the character just because he ended up being very funny in in a lot of kind of slapstick ways. And they sort of did in that song, in that Coming to England song, or by the way, where she climbs a tree. Like I said, not a lot has made me cringe in this movie. That made me cringe. Like that was, seemed like such a holdover from the first movie. But it's like, oh no, why, why? Climbing a tree when you live in like densely packed forest. Yeah, that's a thing you're going to have to do. Why the fuck would she climb a tree in the middle of like a town? And also, also she's in London, and I'm not entirely sure there were trees there at that point. I don't think the ground could sustain life. It was so covered in human shit. Yeah, like London was bad for a long time. During this time, actually. Like, dur- like specifically during the time that Pocahontas, like the actual person, lived in England, in London, during the time that London was at its worst. And everything's so bright and colorful in this movie, and I was like, this is a bit much... I really would have enjoyed it if they made London kind of look like shit. They don't have to, like, double down on it. They don't have to make it look terrible, but kind of shitty. If they had just kept the color palette that they had at the beginning of the movie. Just drab, rainy, and terrible. It would have been an amazing scene if, like, you see Pocahontas kind of sitting on, like, the bow of the ship. Like, I can't wait to see London. It must be so amazing. And then, like, smash cut to her standing in the rain. Like in this terrible, (laughs) terrible square with like a bunch of kind of, with a bunch of happy looking people, but she's very obviously not impressed. Right. That would have been good. But what I actually did want to mention about this huge character is... Udamadamakin. Here's the thing. That name went through my head and I said it twice and then it just left again. I had forgotten you told me his name. Saying it feels like you're firing a gun. It's actually very satisfying. Um... So they had that bit in the song where everybody was singing about how huge he was. And it makes me think about the thing you just said, where the stereotype from that time was, these Indians are huge. Like the like the perfect man. I would have preferred that they made him, like, actually look pretty. They went out of their way, I think, to make him look a bit unappealing. He was a little bit unappealing, but he was, like, statuesque. And I guess, yeah, once again, the big tough guy role, he didn't look attractive you know like how john smith is just like too damn hot for his own good oh my goodness john smith in the first movie is uh, I, I i forgot to talk about this he is so unbelievably attractive i spent a lot of the uh, first pocahontas film just staring at everyone's hair okay he does have great hair yeah, like, I, I couldn't tear myself away. It, it was like when I watched Brave, like, I spent, like, 90% of Brave only looking at the bobbing red cloud that was her hair. And it's the same in this film. Like, I was just so blown away by how good everyone's hair looked. Every time I saw John Smith and Pocahontas together on screen, my only thoughts, like, my brain, all I saw were, like, two moving heads of well-animated hair <laughs> just kind of falling in love. And in this movie, John Rolfe has, like, a ponytail. 
Yeah, his hair is not amazing. I mean, his face is good. They tried so hard to animate his ponytail really well, and they also tried really hard to match Pocahontas' hair movements to make it look at least passable when compared to the first movie. But John Smith in this movie does not look as hot. I am actually willing to forgive a lot of... I think I'm willing to forgive more bad animation on humans than I am on animals. Which is why I think I could stand this movie more. And the other thing is, all the re- once again, all the really beautiful stuff in Pocahontas 1 made me cringe. And the fact that they never had the really beautiful stuff that makes you cringe in this second movie is one of the reasons I enjoyed it. I never had to have the, like, white guilt moment. Like, oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, really? You didn't? In the second movie? In the second movie. The movie where she throws away her culture. Yeah, but the real Pocahontas does throw away her culture. Yeah, I know. That's that. That's still kind of a shitty moment. Hey, that's her. That's not her, not me. Oh, uh, what I did like is, uh... Actually, you know what I want to mention? Percy's afraid of Ratcliffe. That was weird. And I thought that was kind of interesting. And nothing really came of it. It was just his reaction. But there was no reason for Percy to be afraid of Ratcliffe. Yeah, you, you get the vibe from the second movie that Percy must have really had a bad relationship with Ratcliffe. But in the first movie, the only reason he stayed with Miko is because... Miko kept stealing his food. No, no, but the only reason he stays with Miko at the end of Pocahontas 1 is because they both sort of weirdly bond when Kokuum dies. <laughs> is that it? I yeah don't, i don't they're remember like, the bonding moment with coco yeah was. yeah they were they're both like hiding under uh hiding under the tree and they oh, look at each yeah. other like we both just saw a man die <laughs> bros for life <laughs> and yeah i guess by the time that you know percy sees ratcliffe again there there could be some negativity there but it's not really anything they go into i think maybe he's just more afraid that ratcliffe will try to take him back yeah maybe put him somewhere where there's a lot of cannons again Okay, so there's a scene where Pocahontas gets put in heels, and I was like, she's worn moccasins all her life. They should not be putting her in heels. And then as soon as I wrote that down, she kicked them off, and I was like, good job, Pocahontas. (laughs) Way to go. She is wearing them in the uh, later ballroom scene, so at some point in that weird sequence... We're going to talk about this problematic song sequence? Is that what's happening? There are only five songs in this movie. I dislike two of them. Okay, which ones? Hit me with them. Wait till he sees you. Oof, yeah. And Things Are Not What They Appear. Is that the last song? No, Things Are Not What They Appear is the um, Ratcliffe song during the eating scene. Oh, yeah. Do you know what Do you know what got me about that song? It seemed like it should be in Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yes. Those, those jesters felt like they just hopped right out of Hunchback of Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Okay, well, I said Notre Dame. Yeah, so and then I, I guess was I'll... going to say Notre Dame, and then I kind of just tripped my way there um but yeah that whole sequence fell out of the wrong movie like he had gone he had hired someone from another movie to come put a bear in pocahontas's way we talked about how in blanking Two, simba's pride that the <laughs> the the two songs in the blanking two that kind of allude back to the blanking one in certain ways the i forget what they they're called because it's been so long the the love song and he lives in you Ugh. they really work as kind of callbacks because they're very it's a very positive message things are not what they appear is a callback to the savages song in the first movie except where savages was kind of a like like we are seeing prejudice like on display between two peoples 
things are not what they appear is just outright racism like just throw it at the people watching this movie like look at how terrible these people are look at how horribly racist everyone is well but the thing is i don't think you could call ratcliffe racist i definitely think i can i was going to say because he doesn't i don't think he sees other people i don't think he sees other races as lesser i think he sees everyone who's not him as lesser than him he literally calls them subhuman in the first movie does he all right keep going yeah yep he says well no but i was thinking more in the second movie where he has transformed into like a sociopath character instead of his older more relatable character you can't divide that though like you can't it's a sequel this this governor ratcliffe is the same governor if it was like a brother if it was like governor ratcliffe was hanged and this is his brother governor ratcliffe His twin, his sociopathic twin brother, Governor Ratcliffe. He got all the looks. You, you would like then, like yeah, there, like if you had some level of separation, maybe, but like this is the same guy. Yeah, and he, he like doubled down on just being a horrible human being, which yeah, is so un, which is so unempathetical that the entire time he's on screen, all I can think of is why is anyone listening to this guy? He's so off his rocker. Yeah, he's so, like, obviously evil. He wears black armor all of the time now, instead of, like, clothes. Instead of just, like, regular old clothes. I don't know, maybe this impresses the king for some reason. That's the problem. The biggest problem in this movie is the king's a dumbass. And it's like, hey, there's this girl who's trying to get you to not kill every person she knows. And then there's this asshole who wants you to kill every person she knows. And, like, it's not rocket science also don't torture bears what is your deal man well bear that that event is an actual thing that was done in europe so actually was it were there bears in europe yeah there were actually okay smaller they were smaller than the ones in the americas um they are smaller i believe they still have some but yeah they would have this event where they would like tie bears around these giant wood poles and then just poke at them with sticks and shit that absolutely does not surprise me i mean i knew stuff like that did happen people were bored there was no internet (laughs) but i don't know i felt like the people were having a really good time before the bear was brought on i don't yeah they seem to be they seem to be going happier before the bear was brought on and the only person who was like really into the bear was the king which is probably ratcliffe's whole idea also the the other thing about that scene at the end of this musical sequence that i really don't like with the bear is that like that bear kind of goes away (laughs) oh does he and then and then they bring him back (laughs) which we'll we'll get to that but like it's fucking movie yeah, like I would, I I would think they would have just killed the bear once they, you know, around. You know what I would have loved? Actually, no, screw what I was going to say. I would have fucking loved it if the bear was in the prison right there with her. <laughs> like, oh, that would have been glorious. Yeah, but then she wouldn't need John Smith to save her. She could just use the bear. Also, it would have been really awkward to have two giant silent protagon- uh, protectors. Yeah. Oh my god. So I think this is a good point of end for me to kind of to bring up my my issue with Udamadamakin, which is you have this movie where every char- every character is primarily uh white. Actually they're all primarily white dudes. Uh yeah, I think you could say that. I mean the only the only white women are almost like uh character stereotypes where you have like the doddering mother and you have freaking Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, which isn't really a stereotype because she doesn't really say much. She doesn't, except she's the only reason Pocahontas gets to talk to the king. I just... 
She plays a pivotal role in a movie, and that's her only line. And Udamatamakin is the only other Native American in this movie other than Pocahontas, and he, at no point in the film, like, gets to speak. I say gets to speak because this is a movie that was written. They could have had him talk. Like, at any point yeah, in the and film... Yeah, and it would have been interesting to have like another native american's perspective on what was happening too in the last movie even though there were a lot more native american characters obviously none of them really knew what was going on with pocahontas and this one one person does but he doesn't get to say anything about it he he never he never speaks his mind he never has any he, he, he never has any agency in this movie his only role in the movie is to be this like kind of caricature and it really bothers me because like you have another like native american voice and like another person who's actually kind of really into the idea of being in london yeah he he starts to enjoy himself and the fact that he enjoys himself means that you kind of do want to hear his thoughts is he just on vacation does he want to live there even if it was just one line like just one line where he looks at pocahontas and he's like hey listen there's nothing wrong with like wanting to accept something you like if you really like it like just anything just give him anything to say like it bothered me so much that you like they are they are also alone in that jail cell and like what's happening there is he just like standing there all quiet unable to do anything to even communicate and she's just staring at him i, I guess or staring out the window i guess pining over the fact that uh she loves john rolfe yeah i think you're right i think you're right about this character i think uh I, I, he's a, he's a, he's, they use him really well. He's, he's like comedically, he's really funny and he, and it works, but the implication is so bad. Yeah. And that seems like it seems, that almost seems like carryover from the last movie where they can do something really well and just mess it up at the same time. Any other points that you want to bring up? Well, I've just been uh, going through my list here. Oh, here we go. Do you want to talk about the prison scene at all? Cause it looks like I haven't had any notes on it and it was a great scene. It was kind of stupid, but that was just the whole reason it was great to me. It was just a stupid scene. Which scene? The prison scene. The breakout scene. Oh my god. I let, let, I want to I want to go a little bit earlier to something we kind of talked about where uh there's the scene of just John Smith showing up in a cloak and John Rolfe is like, "Who are you?" and he picks <laughs> up a sword. "What are you doing here?" <laughs> What is going on? <laughs> it just shifts. And, and they were in a I, boat. <laughs> I assume, like, I assume that John Smith just knocked him out, dragged him onto a boat, and then explained to him the sitch when he woke up. <laughs> By the way, I had this amazing plan, John Rolfe. Here's what why we're going to do. Why didn't you just tell me? I would have, I would have come. Like, I would have just come with you. I thought this was the better way. How? <laughs> I actually thought the John Smith reveal would be that John Rolfe would say, I have a prisoner, it's John Smith. But he just said, I have a prisoner, and they're like, okay. Oh yeah, I thought that he was just going to totally be like, look, look at the face of this man, and they would have been like, it's John Smith. Like, that would have been funny, I guess. But no, instead, uh, we have this really long prison break sequence. Really long and amazing it's it has it has no right it has no right to be in this movie 
Like, of course it does. They put her in prison. She has to break it. I got... But she doesn't break it. She doesn't do anything. She's just sitting there pining at a window. Now you're right. She doesn't because... Well, I mean, you know what? Not a lot of people break out of the Tower of London anyway. I think having outside help is probably fine. She could have at least fought too. What, in that dress? Come on. Come on. Something. Anything. Yeah, it wasn't her best moment, but it was John Smith's best moment. This whole movie isn't Pocahontas' best moment. I think she does pretty well at still being a powerful character in this movie. The moment John Smith comes back into this movie, this movie stops being about Pocahontas and starts being, watch John Smith and John Rolfe go on this wacky adventure. Which would have been a good movie. Andy, that's why I love it so much. You're kind of turning me around on this, man. It's so great. So, that moment when John Rolfe is holding off three people with a sword. <laughs> and John Smith just, like, slams into them all. With oh, the, my gosh. With a giant, like, wooden log that he takes off of a door. Yes. Oh, man. Oh, jeez. It's the best. That breakout scene is so good. I'm trying okay. to find... So I only have one note about the breakout scene and the moment after it, before the white powder moment. And it's that this movie has the one thing that most Disney movies lack, and it is, of course, two non-evil love interests, which it's something that like Disney doesn't do, and I sort of love that they managed to do it here it's so weird to me how how bad these these both this movie and the lion king 2 can be and yet still do something in terms of having a romantic uh story that makes me go good on you guys for, yeah for yeah. having the the fact that they both have the same name like kind of is is a gem as well like they're both john yeah and there wasn't they couldn't do anything about that. And they didn't really they didn't really have like a scene hinge on that, which I felt like they could have done. Like she could have called out to John and gotten the wrong one. But they I mean John's a John's a popular name. They're based off of real people, so here we are, you know. So, John Smith, the one thing that John Smith learned at the end of Pocahontas was how to be an even more swashbuckling dude bro. Yeah, he did. Because he, he's so, like, I guess he woke up and realized the thing Pocahontas loved about me was the fact that I was dashing and adventurous. <laughs> I should definitely double down on those two qualities in my personality. And he spends this whole movie just throwing off, like, really good one-liners and... The best one-liners. And when he finally, like, meets up with Pocahontas, they do not gel at all. Oh, I actually have this, uh, this one note from near the end of the movie. And it's the exact same, it's the exact same thing. It says, John Smith's character with his one-liners and pirate-ass swordplay is such a piece of shit. And he's the best. <laughs> he... <laughs> They, like, no, they no longer get along. And that's so great to me, because that's, a, like, and then and then you have this amazing little scene where Pocahontas is mad, and she doesn't know what she wants to do, and she runs away. And John's like, actually, I have the lines right in front of me right now. John's mm -hmm. like, you love her. No shit, John Smith. <laughs> he helped her break out of prison. That's not just something you do for someone. Right, but they had to have they had to have it being overt. Because he also said in the last movie, he said, you can't understand a word I'm saying, can you? And like, no, she doesn't. You said that you've been to hundreds of different worlds, so like, you should know this. <laughs> He's so, John Smith is such like 
a douchebag. And I like that because despite all of that, like, he's a pretty cool guy. He is. He's he's the cool douchebag. Yeah, he's that one friend that kind of everyone has. The one friend who was like, I'm going to become a pro skateboarder. That guy. <laughs> That's who John Smith is. And that makes and that makes him Pocahontas's like teen angst mistake. Right. Which is why I think Kovu should have been to Kiara, but let's keep moving on. But except for the fact that like Kovu uh, I really love Kovu though. So. Kovu's such like a shitbag, angsty teenager though. He's maximum edgelord. Yeah, he is. He's kind of the worst. He's like Kylo Ren. Oh, but I love Krylo Ren as well. Krylo Ren. <laughs> I maybe maybe it's me. Maybe I have a soft spot in my heart for your like sad edgelord goth boys. I don't know. I'll have to look into this. It's good to know. I'll have to write that down. I'll have to do some research. Okay, so we've gone over the love interests and the white powder, which was a very good thing. And we talked a lot about the king. So I think we need to head into the best scene in the movie. But before we do that, we haven't actually really talked about John Rolfe as a character. All right, fine. We can talk about Mr. Darcy. I feel like I summed him up pretty good when when I called him Mr. Darcy. No, but you definitely did. Add. You no, you definitely did sum him up really well. Like that's his role, you know, he's this pompous, like very very British man who's kind of out of his element dealing with this uh woman who's a lot more f- carefree than he has ever been. I wish they would have done more with his character. Like the only reason I grew to love John Rolfe is because of the scenes in the film where he's very flustered trying to take care of Pocahontas. As much as I hate the fact that she climbed that tree, him asking her politely to climb down from the tree is a very well delivered line. I did not enjoy the fact that I don't know, the 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 scene that I kind of talked about earlier when John Smith tells John Rolfe that he loves Pocahontas. God, that sentence is so confusing. Let me try again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The scene Less, uh... in which John Smith confronts John Rolfe about the fact that John Rolfe loves Pocahontas. There you go. This is why you don't give two characters the same name. Right. Well, you also had a lot of pronouns in that sentence, and that was messing shit up. All these Johns. Everyone is John. We should put John dies name. at the end. That was a good one. Thank you. Anyway. it's It feels really gross because it feels like a passing of the baton like like pocahontas was my thing to love john rolf now it's now she's your thing to love and it's like a lot of this movie felt like pocahontas like gearing herself up to love somebody that wasn't john smith and that's pretty admirable you know like like dealing with the loss of a loved one and trying to move on but the movie doesn't focus on that it focuses on john rolf loving pocahontas yeah i can see that and most of the most of the big important emotional stuff happens happens in musical form so we don't get to like actually see change over time you know it's one of the reasons i hate musicals is like whenever you have any form of change happen in a musical number it it devalues it as a scene i think sometimes. a lot i think a lot of musicals do that well but i think a disney sequel is just generally not going to it's asking it's well a disney sequel is asking to be bad and here we are trying to find the good in them i guess that's what this is becoming i think that is what it's becoming because we're just gonna we're just gonna find one we're gonna find a movie we both hate it's gonna happen we're just gonna be like it's gonna be a two minute long podcast where we're just sighing for a whole minute and then we both just go (laughs) Yeah. yeah that one sucked and then that's it boom end of episode yes so do we get to go on to my do we yes. get to go on to my favorite scene now? Yeah, my favorite finally. scene ever. 
the best Let's scene in any movie ever made. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so they go on the boat. This <laughs> 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 climactic boat scene. Oh, so. All right, so the lead up to this scene is happens so fast because like pocahontas runs oh i i hated the lead up yeah like pocahontas runs into parliament i assume it's parliament i don't actually know what it is there's a lot of people talking i don't know if parliament existed i guess it did so this is what she ran into or like the house of lords or something yeah something like that she runs in there wearing her um her native american dress so she's she is naked to them and she just kind of runs in there and is like Dropping bombs left and right. This is the truth. Aren't you an honorable man? And then John Smith just walks in like, let my charm solve this problem as well. And then and then the king's just like, go, go, go stop the governor man then. Like all of the, 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 the big problem in this movie is solved in like two seconds. Well, that's what I've, that's what I hated about the king from the beginning. He believes the last thing said to him. Like, John Smith walked in, but if Ratcliffe walked in right behind him, he would have believed Ratcliffe. Ah, <laughs> uh, but John Smith, I've been behind you this whole time. Dun, dun, dun. But Ratcliffe, I've been behind you this whole time. Like, it would have become a weird scene out of Death Note. Yeah, could we not, could we not talk about Death Note? <laughs> we can't. Like, wait a Way to bring down the energy before my favorite scene, Andy. That's what I do. So you're fi- so they get on the boat. So they the get boat. on a boat. They get on a boat. They get on the boat. John Smith is, I think, I think he's the only one who manages to get on the boat before it takes off. Yeah, he like, does he rope swing in? I think he uses his horse. I think he jumps it with yeah, his horse. Yeah, he jumps it and, and then the horse disappears. Yes. And he yells, I am the ghost of John Smith run and And then and then there's a dude who tries to tackle him and you know what that's the coolest dude that guy (laughs) that guy grew up to become a ghost hunter or an exorcist of some sort yeah yeah this guy's like oh i'm taking you down ghost and then there are like four other dudes who immediately jump off the ship into the sea wearing like armor and regalia like those guys died well, they're right by port, though. They probably, they're probably okay. No, they're going to die, dude. Like, all right. Well, maybe they died, but you know what? They didn't want to get. They didn't want to get ghost killed. So by, by the ghost of John Smith. By the ghost of John Smith, and then he gets into a. He immediately gets into a duel with Ratcliffe. Oh man, I'm gonna put a note here for myself. I am definitely going to edit in that voice clip. I thought he was dead. I'm the ghost of John Smith. Run for your life! <laughs> okay so it's so good it is such a good line and then and then the one thing i remembered from this movie from childhood john ralph riding the anchor onto the ship onto the ship make the jump yeah he just dived into the water i just wrote in this i just wrote in my notes this is the movie they elected to make (laughs) and then the line you call this a party you're not having any having... fun? Oh, man. I'm putting that line in, too. I have to now. Oh. They call this a party? You're not having any fun? They, if this movie could have ended with John Smith and John Rolfe just looking at each other going like, what if we both just took this ship and went on rad adventures together? <laughs> Bye, Pocahontas. It would have been a great movie. Oh, my God. This, this like, incredibly over-the-top, this pirate-ass scene. It's so long, too. I loved it. 
I found myself smiling the whole time. Like the moment the scene started, I was like, here it comes. This is what I've been waiting for. Like I have like the entire rest of the film, I was like groaning and like struggling to watch it. And like I was doing laundry at the same time and paying more attention to my clothes, drying, going in circles than this movie. Uh huh. But like the moment this scene started, like my world stopped. I was like, this scene exists. <laughs> This is what they did to these characters. That is, they're real people. People. Human people. Human <laughs> beings. Who have names in history books. Right. Who changed the world. Changed the way the world worked around them. And they just threw them all on this boat. And just, like, something out of Princess Bride fight their way through it. Yes, and it was amazing. It, it really, it was like, it was like watching a fan fiction. Yeah, it really was. Oh, man. Does historical fan fiction exist? I bet it does. It definitely. It has to. It definitely does. Actually, there's, it's called historical fiction, Andy. It's a real oh. thing that people make all the time. Ever, ever oh, read but... any uh, Harry Turtle book? Yeah, no, man, but I'm, I'm talking like crazy stuff. Like John Rolfe and John Smith jumping onto a boat and having sword fights crazy. Okay, uh, have you ever seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Does that count? Yeah, I think that does count. Point proven. I think that counts. Bogus Journey, also good. I didn't love Excellent Adventure. I think a lot of it was lost on me, though. I might have to go back and watch it again, because it's, it's a classic. I don't remember how Ratcliffe loses. I remember Ratcliffe winning, but I know he doesn't win, because I remember him you pulling don't, the gun. You don't gun. remember how he loses? No, because he pulls a gun on John Smith. I think it's Pocahontas that does it, but I can't say for sure. Somebody turns the, um, what do you call it on a ship? The wheel? So somebody turns the wheel and it swings the, it swings the mast around. It's Rolf. It's, is it Rolf? And he's caught, and he's caught on the, on the mast he hangs there. And then John says the same thing that Ratcliffe had said to him when he tried to kill him. At the beginning of the film. Yes, which is, I would have loved to see you hang. And then he cuts him loose. So... John Rolfe, uh, sorry, not John Rolfe, John Rolfe and John Smith do fist bumps and, like, <laughs> crack open some keggers and celebrate their massive dude bro victory. Yep. And Ratcliffe crawls onto shore where the king is just standing the there. The king's just there. Yeah. Like, dude, you way... have a country to run. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I don't think he does a lot of running of the country. This guy's a moron. To be fair, also, now that his bear is gone and that party was crashed, he probably just needed something else to watch. Yeah, he's probably like, he probably just had his, uh, I was gonna say binoculars, he probably didn't have binoculars at that point. Or they have, like, spy glasses. Probably had, like, a spy glass staring onto the ship. He was just staring at his compass the whole time. That's a joke. I don't understand this joke. It's a joke. It's because of the compass in the first Pocahontas movie. It's like a big plot. You know what? Yeah, I'm just gonna... Yeah, it is is a big plot. And actually, one of the things that I didn't like about the second Pocahontas movie was she has the compass, and it just says John Smith on the back. Like, that's not a bit heavy-handed, because it doesn't (laughs) say John Smith in the first one. That's just, like, we know who it's from. (laughs) She carved it on there. In English, for some reason. Not in... Well, did they have a written language? Uh, Not that I know of. I think most North American tribes are not supposed to, or are not known to have had a, uh, a yeah, hi- language. Yeah, history is really fuzzy around it, and I don't know much about, I don't know much Native American history, unfortunately. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I don't think they did, though. Yes, and then, and then uh, after that big boat scene, 
which is the best scene i think in any movie probably i think i could say pretty strongly it's probably going to be unless there's a scene that happens in another movie that outshines this one i can't think of it but yeah i feel like this might be the best single scene in a uh, disney sequel actually do you know what I remember reading something about an earned scene. Do you know the idea behind this? I've I've heard similar terms. Yeah, it's basically that if you build a movie the right way, then having a climactic scene that's ridiculous is okay because you've built the world in a way where that scene can happen. And the example they used was having the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man show up at the end of Ghostbusters. Okay. They make you believe in this world that's possible. I know exactly what you're talking about now, yes. And I think at the end of Pocahontas 2, you firmly believe that in this world, it is this this stupid scene is entirely possible. I kind of came at it from the opposite direction where I was just, I just wanted something to happen. Like this whole movie, I wanted something to happen that was just fun to watch. And that, that, that was the scene. Like that's just five minutes of just pure fun. Yeah, that is, it is a fun scene. It's just them wrapping it all up. I'll say that the end of The Lion King did not have a fun scene. Or The Lion King 2, I meant. Yeah, The Lion King 2 is a very dark film compared to this one. It's a bit dark. You would think a movie about a Native American woman moving to a primarily white culture and having to deal with the kind of wanting to murder of her people would be a darker movie than lions. Lions fighting. Yeah, but it was, uh, that was a very light scene they, they, they ended it with. And then, of course, Pocahontas chooses John Rolfe. But not overtly. There's, so the scene after the amazing boat scene. Pocahontas. You have to excuse me. I need to like, I need to like just, I need to just calm down after that amazing boat scene. (laughs) Really? Go on, go on with your your In through the nose, out through the mouth. So immediately after that scene, it, it's a scene where like Pocahontas, John Smith and John Rolfe are all kind of hanging out on this nondescript balcony. And John Smith is being swooned over by all of these, uh, all of these ladies. And he's like, one at a time, please. <laughs> yeah. I'm a very busy man. And then Pocahontas and John Rolfe, like in the least convincing scene in the history of the world don't tell each other that they love each other to the anger of literally everyone in the film yes i will definitely say that why even miko who doesn't pay attention to shit like this is like mad about it why why don't they say why don't they just why don't they just say they love each other andy sometimes it's hard they they've had this whole movie this whole movie leads up to this moment and then nothing comes of it that's awesome (laughs) the fact that they just they're both just standing there awkwardly like yeah it's great working with you would you like a handshake and then they're both in their heads like god i wish we could make out right now so bad (laughs) they could have just ended the movie there well they wouldn't have been able to end the movie there because in some weird way they're still trying to make it kind of sort of absolutely not historically accurate Oh, that's right, because they don't tell each other they love each other, at which point John Smith runs over and is like, Pocahontas, I finally achieved my dream, I mean our dream, of me owning my own ship, I mean (laughs) our ship. (laughs) When you think about it, and this scene had me thinking about it, John Smith knew Pocahontas for, what, like maybe a couple weeks? Like, how long was that first movie? Oh, 
Comic-Con maybe maybe a week. It yeah. feels so short. And then, but John Rolfe, even though they didn't, like, fall in love until they got to England, he would have known her, once again, for months on the boat. Like, he already knows her so much more than John Smith did. And John Smith has basically made her into just a perfect woman in his mind, right? Because he hasn't been able to see her for so long. And so she's just an idea to him now. And he sort of realizes it and has to let her go. And he does. Yeah, and I thought that was pretty good. Very rarely do you see that handled so well, where he just kind of goes, ah, you know what? I kind of misread this whole situation. You go follow your heart. I unapologetically love this movie for how terrible it is. Like, thinking back on the movie, it's a hilariously bad movie. Actually watching the film for me was agony. Oh, man. The worst. I had so much fun. (laughs) The whole time. The whole time. Well, now you know how I felt when I was watching The Lion King 2. Because what I felt when I was watching that was, this is taking a movie that I really like and making a shittier version of it, and it, it just hurt me. It's like, well, I gotta keep watching it. But at this movie, I don't have any real love for Pocahontas as a movie, so the second movie was just, like, goofy as hell, and I was so into it. I absolutely loved that at one point, somebody was like, you know what, the first one wasn't actually that historically accurate. Why don't we just, like, lean away from that? The final scene in the film, Pocahontas gets on the ship, she says goodbye to Mrs. Jenkins, who's John Rolfe's housemaid. Or, like, maybe landlady? No, she's his housemaid. He he has a line in the film where he was like, the Jenkins have served the Rolfes for generations. Because he has to be the most British character. Obviously. He's Mr. Darcy. And she says goodbye to Mrs. Jenkins and Mrs. Jenkins is like, oh, we'll miss you. And John isn't there and Pocahontas is like, well, where is he? And Mrs. Jenkins is like, he probably hates to say goodbye or some shitty line like that. Yeah, she does say something shitty like that. Go on. Pocahontas gets on the ship and in in his best one-liner in the film, and I wish I wrote it down, and I probably did. I don't know. I lost my notebook. Like, he walks out and he, like, says this one-liner that I believe she kind of told him at the beginning of the film. I do not remember this one-liner at all, and I feel yeah, bad. Yeah, he, he says, and, and I remember thinking, like, you sly son of a bitch. <laughs> Here she is worrying about you, really sad that she couldn't tell you that she loved you and thinking that she'll never see you again. And you just step out of the shadows all. (laughs) Hey there, I learned this from John Smith. (laughs) I learned from the best. And they both finally confess their love for each other and decide to move back to America together, which is like... It kind of sounds like they're playing it by ear. That's like the least historically accurate thing. Like, they just went all in on that. And then the camera pans over to them waving goodbye, and who do we see on the coast but Mrs. Jenkins... Mm-hmm. And uh, sorry, give me a sec. I need to. I need to look no. at his name to pronounce it. I understand. in full puffy sleeved regalia, waving goodbye, and, and their pet bear. There <laughs> 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 was no reason. No reason to end it like that. But they did. But they did. And you know what? Good on them. Quick note, by the way, the shot at the end and at the beginning of the film of John Rolfe's boat is done in CG. Yeah, I noticed that, I think. Like, it moves differently. It's the one thing about this movie that I wish they didn't do. I would have rather they did it by hand. 90s CG is kind of rough, but it must have cut, like, months off of time. 
So I understand it. Yeah, it probably definitely was cheaper. Something that I noticed the entire time this film was happening, I don't know if you noticed this either, but like there's a phrase animators and animation studios have, it's called being off model. And it's when your character's proportions and the to themselves and to the world is constantly never accurate. And like in this movie, Pocahontas goes from being as tall as John Rolfe to when she runs into the House of Lords or Parliament or whatever the fuck it is to she is a giant <laughs> in that scene. She is huge compared to all of those lords. I can't say I noticed that and I feel terrible that i didn't it's not just her it happens throughout the entire movie like characters are constantly like like shifting in size compared to the their surroundings it's like there is no level of like perspective in this film at all and it was infuriating to watch i think maybe this is this was the biggest thing like when it came to me watching this film was just the animation in this film come even compared to the lion king 2 Simba's Pride, which came out in the same year, is so bad in in a lot of different ways that is obvious. And I think a big part of it is that they're drawing... It seemed like with The Lion King 2, they were going to try to make another Lion King. But with Pocahontas 2, it never seemed like they were going to make another Pocahontas. They were going in a different direction entirely. And maybe that also had to do with, I don't know, whoever was doing it and the fact that the animation was so much worse. It just, the whole movie... Oh my goodness. Okay, just a minute. I was scrolling through this Wikipedia page and it just reminded me of a fucking thing that happened in this fucking movie where during the What a Day in London sequence, William Shakespeare just fucking yeah. shows up. Uh, yeah, he is there. That wasn't necessary, man. No, it wasn't. And it, it was a real big goof. It was so strange. Like, that of all things is the most Timon and Pumbaa-esque joke. Absolutely. Oh my god. I hate this movie. I wish this movie didn't exist. I love this movie. And do you know what? Uh, they sell it uh, packaged with the original. So if you want to see this terrible movie that is also amazing, you can just buy it for ten bucks. Oh, bundled together? Yeah. That's nice of them. I'm glad yeah. that Disney's willing to do this to their own movies. Good on you, Disney. Here's the thing. So I tried to get the I tried to get Pocahontas from the library like I did with uh the last movie. Like I did with the Lion King, and it was just a non starter. And you know what? Pocahontas too as well. I I just looked because I've got Netflix and it's on Netflix, but I just looked and they're fucking gone. Like people will rent Disney movies from the library, even the bad ones. Like you just like you don't need to have anything better to do to watch a disney movie it's a good use of your time why people are still watching pocahontas 2 journey to a new world i know not maybe maybe there's like a secret underground like movement of people who just really love that john smith scene and there's like a website devoted entirely to it let's find out i'm googling i am the ghost of john smith and let's see what comes up <laughs> oh my god please I let me am know the ghost of john smith <laughs> oh man oh we have the entire script <laughs> okay titanic captain edward john smith's ghost haunts his childhood home okay you know what that's that definitely no then no looks like not i'm glad i don't know why the whole script being there tickled me so much but that's nice i'm glad if you want to read a, if you want to reenact your favorite Pocahontas 2 Journey to a New World scenes. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. We talked We talked about this movie. We've been talking for almost two hours about, about two a hours. movie. And I think the issue is that we talked a lot about the first movie when we really didn't with The Lion King. 
because I don't think I don't think either of us has any problems with the first Lion King very much. God no, that movie's like I don't want to say perfect, but damn, it's it's close to perfect. Yeah, and so we had to we had to establish a baseline of uh, kind of not liking Pocahontas all that much. I think a big thing about it is like all the complaints, like all the general complaints about Pocahontas, don't get fixed in Pocahontas two. They're mostly just ignored. Yeah, and Pocahontas two kind of just takes the parts of the first Pocahontas that are memorable and then really doubles down on them. Ratcliffe was kind of cartoonishly villainous in Pocahontas. Let's make him cartoonishly sociopathic. John Smith was kind of a douchebag stuntman. Let's make him an actual douchebag stuntman in this movie. And he's the greatest! He's the greatest. They definitely improved John Smith's character, actually. Yes. Just imagining, there's a scene in one of the Fast and Furious movies where Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Vin Diesel both kind of clasp forearms in the most manly way. I would like that but it be John Rolfe and John Smith. Yeah, they definitely could have could have worked that in there. That's a pity. Other than that, though, Pocahontas 2, Journey to New World, was a perfect film. 10 out of 10. Uh, <laughs> 10 out of 10. Better than The Lion King, say the critics. <laughs> oh, no. Tony says, no, better they, than The Lion King. They, they don't say that. Best boat scene. <laughs> you said, you said, you said it was the best scene in all of movies. I did say that, but then I forgot that movies are generally, like, good. like i also really like the train scene in back to the future 3 the one that other people don't like that much i i liked back to the future i like all three back to the futures i never really got what were bothered by the third back to the future yeah i like them all i actually don't love the second one because i hate dark new reality that he has to change like it's fucked up I think people, I think people remember like happy future and going back and messing with the past again. But like the 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 evil reality in between the Biff verse. Yeah, oh, I was just about to say the Biff verse. Perfect. The Biff verse is like really screwed up. Yeah, it's that that movie gets some harsh vibes. And I like the climactic scene in The Lion King. That's amazing. I mean, there are a lot of scenes in a lot of movies that are better than the boat scene but in Pocahontas too. I would say the boat scene in Pocahontas are better than most or all of the boat scenes in Titanic. This is the hill I'm dying on. That's like a hill that nobody's gonna fight you for though. <laughs> you like walked up to this hill and then killed yourself on it and everyone else is like nobody was arguing dude we'll let you have that hill <laughs> boat scenes i'm really glad that we we managed to completely reverse roles where uh i i hate this hated movie. it so yeah i i'm never watching it again that's understandable i might okay what do we got here well i'm gonna let you pick this one because i really do feel like i picked poke honest too and you did not have a good time with it i had the least good time i think i had the least good time you know what just to kind of, I, I feel like just to get a good, a good change of pace here. Let me see if they have a, if they have what we have here. You know, kudos to um, Disney for milking Tinkerbell for all she is worth because there are a lot of Tinkerbell movies. Oh, jeez. And I'm gonna have to watch at least one of those. Huh? I, I uh, I've seen one of them. I've seen two of them. I've seen three of them. God damn it! Wow! God damn, dude. <laughs> <laughs> those are the slow realizations. <laughs> yeah. So much of that, my life. That got dark fast. Yeah. I think what I would like to do, just to kind of switch it up a bit, is watch Peter Pan Return to Neverland. Oh, man. Because that means we have to watch Peter Pan. It does mean we have to watch Peter Pan. And I feel like we spent so much of this movie talking about Pocahontas, and our reaction to Pocahontas was, 
Eh. Oh, man. <laughs> Breathing through the nose, out through the mouth. Thank, thank you for listening to this bad podcast for bad people. We're going to watch. We're going to watch. Andy, what are we going to watch? So join us next week for Peter Pan Return to Neverland. Fuck this movie. Okay, wow. This movie sucks. I hate you were, it. I don't... It, re- it really sounded like you're going the other direction.